Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. You might have seen on social media a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Jermaine Hopgood in the field club at Combank Stadium, put on by the great Parramatta Eels for an interview. Did a Q&A with people as well. It was a sensational afternoon. And I've just recently got the audio back from the Jermaine Hopgood interview. So we're going to have that here for you guys. It sort of starts a couple of minutes into it, unfortunately. Uh, and the audio isn't fantastic, guys, because it was a live show. Uh, we were sort of, you know, recording there. It was going over the loudspeaker and whatnot. Uh, you can hear it all, but it isn't obviously studio quality uh, like uh, like we normally have here on the Guru Podcast. But Jermaine, very good interview. Absolute champion bloke. He was very raw, very honest, uh, and obviously feels very comfortable in these situations because of the way the Parramatta do their social media and everything, which is fantastic to see. A great night out there at Combank Stadium. Shout out to the Parramatta Eels putting on a fantastic show. And I'll tell you what, guys, if you aren't going to the field club this year at Combank Stadium, you are missing an absolute treat out there. We went out there a couple of times last year. was there again the other night. Absolutely sensational. It genuinely is the best game day experience in rugby league. I will be doing it all again this year on a few occasions, whether Parramatta want me or not. Tough shit. I will be there and I cannot wait to get back into the field club. Sensational stuff. I'm going to hand over now to the interview uh, between myself and the great Jermaine Hopgood. Not since then. Yes, I, I suppose it's probably a bit different for me personally not being there um, throughout that year of them making the grand final and then obviously uh, it was just my year last year. Um, I thought we uh, probably just didn't put our best team on the field enough last year and um, when you don't do that and there's injury suspensions and you can make a whole lot of excuses but uh, we 
just didn't back ourselves and put ourselves in positions in games that we probably should have won early on and it just hurt us at the back end of the year. So I'm sure it hurt a lot of them boys that played in that grand final to, to not even play finals footy, but uh, makes us hungry to get back there and play again because the boys know what it's like and uh, we all want to win one at the end of the day. Really was the story of your uh, 2023 season, wasn't it? I think in the first five weeks you lost four games mm. by two to four points or whatever it might be. I think you went to Golden Point round one. You played about a thousand minutes that night. <laughs> uh, I heard a story on Bloke in a Bar the other day that I think is well worth telling if you're uh, up for telling that one again. <laughs> yeah, I can tell it again. Um, it's just come out today, I think. Uh, so it was round one, Melbourne, like you just said, hey, um, we lost Golden Point. Um, so I think I played 84 minutes that game, which in the middle round one um, is a task in itself in any round, let alone the first game of the year. <laughs> um, anyway, I always have this beetroot juice before uh, games. It's supposed to prolong fatigue. There's all these science behind it. And I did it for ages and never had a problem with it. Anyway, I've, I've played the game and come off the field and we've had our meeting. And it's like, oh, I need to go to the toilet really bad, this pain in the stomach. Anyway, I've gone to the toilet and I've looked back and it's just blood purple everywhere. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm gone here. I think I'm dying. <laughs> I was like, I maybe just exerted so much energy out there. And I was like, oh, mate, I think I've done myself in. <laughs> um, and I was freaking out a bit and I run to the doctors. And I was like, oh, mate, like, this is, I just shat blood everywhere. Like, I think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> and he goes, mate, did you have that beetroot juice before the game? And because I, I eat breakfast on a game day, but then... Other than that, I don't really eat anything else throughout the day. So you think of a seven o'clock game when you're only eating at the start of the day, there's nothing else in your, in your body. And then I've just shoved all this beetroot juice in. Yeah. And that's the only thing that was ready to come out. <laughs> anyway, I haven't had any more beetroot juice since then. It was once and first and last after that. Obviously, mate, uh, the thing that has bonded us via social media, uh, this whole could be anything. <laughs> It's just taken on a life of its own. Uh, I've been called your father. You've been called my son. I don't know if you hear it as nothing as I do, but it's punishing for me. It just never stops. Uh, and, mate, obviously, Kempe's got a merch range coming out over the next couple of weeks. This is a world first for everyone here. This is the uh, Could Be Anything range. I thought it'd be pretty special if we could get the, uh, the OG Could Be Anything rocking these at our live show. So these will be coming out on Bloke over the next couple of weeks. These could be anything. <laughs> there you go. I, uh, I remember it was uh, 2022 and I'd been watching Jermaine play reserve grade and whatnot. And um, I was playing for Penrith, obviously in a pretty star sort of Penrith side. I wasn't able to get in the first grade side. And I just remember sitting there watching him play reserve grade going, is this bloke for real? Does he ever stop? <laughs> is he ever going to stop making tackles and offloading? So I started talking about him and whatnot and... You'd already signed with Parramatta, but you hadn't got too much fanfare at that point. And I remember at the 2022 Grand Final, you were obviously at Penrith still, playing in the reserve grade Grand Final. And we did a live show for Bloke before out the front. And I said to a mate, he goes, oh, who's going to win this game? I go, I reckon Penrith, absolutely give it to him. And he goes, oh, is, is your mate playing? I went, yeah, yeah, Jermaine's playing in this one. I said, hopefully he just stays quiet so no one talks about him still leading into the season. You made about 65 tackles. I think you scored a try. And you got man of the match on grand final day, which just completely blew everything out of the water. Uh, obviously, you won that grand final. Then after that, it was Penrith versus Parramatta. Must have been a bizarre sort of feeling for you, knowing, obviously, in the Penrith squad and whatnot, moving to Parramatta in just a few months' time. Talk to us about that day. Yeah, it was sort of a 
bit of a it's sort of a funny year when you make a commitment to another club um, halfway through the year, which is which is what I did, and um, you know I sort of had a few phone calls with Brad uh, at the back end of the year and sort of um, talking about trying to come early, and it was more a chance just to just to play first grade. That was um, the thing we were talking about, and um, Ivan sort of shut it off there and he just said you know if I if I lose him a middle or two you, you'd be playing in this team so um, it was all fair enough at the time and the way I sort of saw it was you know I still did want to finish the year at Penrith I'd been there for six years and coming from Queensland like those boys that I played with growing up were like my best mates there and um, I suppose it was good in a way you know like you said played in reserve grade grand final and finished my time um at Penrith on a high, um, but obviously didn't want to cheer too loudly or carry on too much. Um, but in saying that, since, ever since I stepped foot in Parramatta's doors, um, all the boys have been super welcoming, and um, that's one good thing I can say about the club and all the players. We'll get to carry on soon, because I hear you have got a bit in you. <laughs> I won't shock anyone, I'm sure. Uh, mate, you mentioned you came down from Queensland. Obviously, uh, you're looking to make a Queensland debut soon. I've still, still got a dibs on those boots when you do. Uh, I'll send you my address. <laughs> Why'd you make the move down from Queensland? I remember you playing SG Ball at Penrith. I don't remember seeing you before that. But yeah. How did that all happen? Yeah, um, sort of just a story out of nothing, really. Like um, the first kid from Harvey Bay to play first grade that was born and bred there. And like growing up, always loved footy and wanted to play footy, but it was the reality was no one did it. It wasn't something that anyone did. There was no direct pathway to go from where I was to play first grade. It was just, it never happened before. Um, so I was in year 10 at school and wasn't bad a kid at school, wasn't playing up or anything, but just didn't apply myself. Was just there to hang out with my mates and play footy. Um, so my uncle offered me an apprenticeship on the Sunshine Coast and I took that up and started working and just played club footy on the sunny coast and was lucky enough to play well there and... Um, then just got an opportunity to trial at Penrith. Uh, I think that was an SG ball trial, and I would have been 16 at the time, wow. and signed a two-year deal and stayed at home for the first year and then come down of my year of SG ball. So then did you go through the Jersey flag system as well? Yeah, so went SG ball, played that, played uh, Queensland 18s that year, then played NYC, which is Holden Cup, the last year of that, and then just Jersey flag, reserve grade. Into first grade. Because I remember when you were younger, you pretty much played most on the edge, didn't you? So I was a hooker when I first came to Penrith. Yeah. Um, was always a hooker growing up. Got to Penrith. Was training at hooker all SG ball pre-season and then come up to a trial. I was like, oh, um, what am I playing in this trial? And he's like, oh, I'm going to play at lock. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, that was the first time I ever played a different position. Yeah, right. Um, and then as our team went, we sort of lost some edge back rowers that year and then found myself on the edge and when I went to 20s I was a bit smaller than everyone else so the edge was a bit more suited and uh, but I've always liked being in the middle of the field and I think that's shown this year just being able to get solid minutes yeah. there. We'll get to Parramatta in a second but obviously the Penrith Panthers you know you're obviously there for the start of what's been one of the mm. great dynasties we've ever seen funnily enough rivaling the 1980 Parramatta Eels. What are the experiences that you've taken from that Penrith system to bring here to Parramatta? Yeah, oh, you could talk all day about them, really, like the stuff that they've done and that core group of guys that's come through together at that club. And um, it's just something that they've grown over years. And it's a credit to, I was talking about Ivan before, 
the culture that he drives over there, like um, everyone's on the same playing field and there's no heroes and there's no egos. And I think that's something that Parramatta have as well. Like everyone that's in the room, we're all mates together and um, you need to be close mates with the bloke next to you because when you run out in the field, it's not just you 17 blokes. When someone gets hurt, there's other players that come in. You've got to use a whole squad. And that's what I think I learned the most about um, at Penrith was I was that kid that only played a couple of games and thought oh, I wasn't really a part of what they were doing. But at the end of the day, it takes a whole squad to win a grand final. And that's what I'm sort of trying to drive at Parramatta is all them young guys that think they're so far away from first grade. Like, it's just there. It can happen very quickly. We're all that kid once, yeah. you know. Obviously, at Penrith, you play with a lot of superstars that, you know, get all the highlights, Nate Cleary and whatnot. I want to talk to you about Isaiah Yo. Uh, and I think that since you've arrived at Parramatta, it's, it's been very evident to me that you've moulded part of your game around, I would say, what he taught you. What did you take from your years with Isaiah Yo? Yeah, well, it's pretty funny. Like, sort of there when Yoey transferred himself into from a back rower to a middle and mm. it was just something that they tried and I just sort of watched him progress over the years and um, to become one of the um, game's best locks or he was he is the game's best lock sort of thing as I see it um, just the way that he can control his part of the field and his middle forwards is like our, his little pack um, and he does that in a ball playing way and that was sort of the main things I took from his, from his game because um, obviously we are different players at the end of the day um, but just the way that he controlled what he can control in the game and his ball playing and what he's seen and what he was trying to create for the people outside him. You know, it's the biggest thing. It is amazing when you look at his career. Like, I remember it wasn't that long ago, he was a handy player to have in your team because he could play second row or centre. Mm. To go from that to being the Australian lock forward and automatic selection in every team he's available for, it's unbelievable. Played country on the wing, I'm pretty sure. That wouldn't shock me in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. An absolute freak. Mate, how did the opportunity with Parramatta come about? Um, yeah, I guess I was just searching for that opportunity at Penrith. Um, you know, sort of get a feeling when you want to, when you need to um, go somewhere else to get that opportunity to play um, NRL, and that's what it was for me. Um, even I had a, was talking to a couple of clubs at the time, and I sat down with Ivan, um, and sort of was like, oh, there was a rumor going around that I'd already signed with Para, but I hadn't signed anything yet. And I was when I wanted to talk to him, I said, oh, I don't know if you've seen the article, but I just want to let you know I haven't signed anything yet. Just giving you the heads up. Anyway, the whole time that Penrith never really will come into the conversation and he just sat me down and said, um, I'm talking to you as a friend here and as a, someone who cares about you and I know I can't offer you the same opportunity here as what you can get somewhere else. So that just made it really clear for me. Um, it made it so much easier for me to be able to um, set my sights on somewhere that uh, worked and um, when all options were there, Parramatta um, definitely seemed like the best one and I'm so grateful that I made the decision. It's wild when you look at Ivan Cleary, where he's at in his coaching career, like he's taken the Warriors to a grand final. Mm. You know, Tigers, they might not have made the top eight, but it was their best season they've had in 10 years under Ivan. Now come to Penrith, lost a grand final, won three in a row. I think people get offended when you talk about the greatest coaches of all time, but he's, he's starting to push himself into that sort of calibre realistically. Looks like Penrith aren't slowing down anytime soon. How high do you think he can go either? Yeah, well, he's had some um, some great assistance there as well. And um, I think something that Ivan did really well was he let his assistants sort of... Well, from what it looked like as a player, they controlled a lot of defence. So Cam Serraldo was controlling that. 
in the 2020 year, Trent Barrett was there and he laid the foundation for their attack at the time. And then um, uh, Andrew Webster come in and they're both head coaches now. Well, Trent was a head coach, Ciro's a head coach. Like, had some really good assistant coaches, but I think um, the way Ivan tied his culture and the Penrith community into playing footy for that team um, and obviously the bunch of players that they had were also intertwined with that community. Um, sort of, it was. It's sort of funny to look back now. It's like every week when you think you run out of things to give you motivation, it was yeah. like he was just. A, he just had something for you. You know, it was. It was given. It was someone's. Um, you know, how many games they played for the club, or he'd debut someone, or yeah. just finding little things that just lift the team's energy to want to win that game. I think that's something he did really well. And well, obviously, if they win four in a row, no one's done. Oh. What the Dragons do back in the day? No, I'm not sure, count. but it doesn't matter. <laughs> if they win four in a row, then we've got to put the name in the conversation. Talk to me about your current coach, Brad Arthur. I think that when you're an NRL coach, if you haven't won a premiership, realistically, I think you're always under some form of pressure. Um, I look at Brad, though, and you know, take yourself, for example. You arrived at as a reasonable unknown to Parramatta. Uh, I look at Sean Lane. He arrived mm. as a journeyman. Bryce Cartwright, everyone was doubting him when he arrived. Isaiah Papali'i. All these forwards that he brings into this system, and they all just turn into absolute guns. What is it with Brad Arthur? Yeah, oh, well, he was the reason, pretty much the reason that I signed at Para. Um, just the way that he spoke to me and um, in the meeting that we had. And, um, you know, he just sort of said, you know, I'm not going to promise you anything, but I will promise you an opportunity. So that was, like, the biggest thing, and that's 100% what he's done. He did for me all year, and... Um, like, if, when I look back now and the early um, games that I played for Parra and then um, there was an offload against Manly late in the game. Olakawatu catches it, scores. Um, coming into second half against Cronulla here, took a show against Moylan, um, which ends up in a try. There's little mistakes that I was making because I was only 10 games into yep. first grade and they're just things that happen under fatigue when you're out there and... Um, every time I get in his office, you know, I'm shitting myself thinking I'm going to get a rev up here. But he just reminded me that I've only played 10 games of first grade. You're never going to be perfect. So he just gave me confidence the next week to be able to go out there. And he said, I didn't care about you throwing that offload. And I ended up making 56 offloads and leading the league in it. Yep. And that was because he never shied me away from doing it. He said, that's something that's in your game. Um, I don't care if it's the first minute, the 79th minute. If you've got it on, you back yourself and do it. Um, so that's the biggest thing is just giving me confidence and um, allowed me to do what I do out on the footy field. And, um, yeah, got a much deep respect for Brad. So The week you threw that out, I'll float to Olakawatu. The week before, I had a quote on bloke that said... Uh, <laughs> He never, ma- he never takes the wrong option. He always <laughs> offloads at the right point. So yeah. I know you felt bad after that, but my phone absolutely blew up. Yeah, mine I was as well. left, right and centre that week. Was, I feel like just forwarding them all to you. You can deal with this. I was getting enough. <laughs> I remember, mate, that first game that you played. Um, and, you know, you started at 13, and I sort of thought, uh, interesting to see how many minutes he plays here. 50 ticks over, 60 ticks over, 70 ticks over. I'm sitting there thinking, my God, this guy's ass is going to fall out the back of him, which turns out it did after the game. But <laughs> we then go to extra time, and it's the 84th minute or whatever, and you're still out there. I think Brad had a reserve on the bench. I think he had a middle forward that he hadn't even used yet. Um, and you missed a tackle in that game mm. that you copped plenty for. 
what did you learn from that experience? Because you made 65, mm. you missed the 66. And it seemed to be a lot of what people remembered from that game. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> and um, I know everyone, as fans, um, we all want to win. And we're the players out there playing. There's nothing more we want to do than win the game. Um, so it's sort of disappointing because you can do so much and then you can make one mistake and that's what you can be remembered for. But that's part of the game. And... Um, like I've just come back to be, like Brad, like I, I forgot about that, I left that one out, but these were mistakes that I was making and I played, that was my 10th game of first grade, just played 84 minutes in the middle, like you can make every excuse, against but um, against Melbourne of all teams as well, um, but those were just little mistakes that I made and when everyone talks about, um, you know, everyone tells me if I had a good year and everything, I look back at these moments and go like, Cam, like these are places I can get better as well and um, I guess that's a bit of a driving force on um, just little moments in games that I can be better at. Um, so that's the challenge for me this year um, is having an experience of playing, uh, played every game last year, so a whole year of first grade under my belt um, and hopefully getting those little um, mistakes out of the game. You had a pretty cool experience last year going to Queensland Origin camp. That involve a call from Billy Slater at some point? Yeah. Um, he called me the second game. And I was um, shitting myself, I didn't really know. And he just said that I was close and um, just to keep doing what I was doing um, here at Para. And then so I saved his number straight away. Um, I was like, hopefully i get a call from this guy again. <laughs> and then um, the third game, yeah, I, just, I think I was laying in bed on the Sunday. I don't remember when we played. Um, and then it, the phone called. And um, uh, when Billy Slater's, you look, just look at it for a bit. Oh, fuck, what's he going to say? Um, and then, yeah, he sort of said um, that I wasn't going to play, but um, if it worked with Para and if I wanted to, if I could be 19th man um, in the squad, and no way I'd ever turn that experience down. Um, yeah, it was like just that whole experience was awesome, but it's only made it um, a bit more surreal and just made me a bit more hungry to want to get out there and actually put that jersey on, like experiencing that whole week and then watching the boys warm up and... Um, yeah, that was just like something different and something different about them Queenslanders, but here we uh, go. <laughs> yeah, obviously that's that's a goal of mine um, for this year, but um, first of all, we've just got to be good here at Parra and Clubland first, and that's my first goal. Who impressed you the most from that camp? Like a player maybe you spent a bit of time with or you learned something from? Um, well, we I roomed with Paddy Carrigan in the first few nights um, up in Cairns, and um, I was just surprised at how um, like humble and nice that he was. I didn't, I sort of knew of him in the younger Queensland camps we were in. He was a year older than me, so um, just how nice he was. And I don't know, Alfie surprised me the most out of everyone <laughs> um, on the piss up. But I don't know why that surprised you. <laughs> no, but just everyone. Like um, I think. It took me a couple of days to get over, just trying not to be in awe of everyone there. Like I was, I, I grew up idolising. Like I was JT, Cameron Smith, um, and then obviously you got Billy. Then you got Nate Miles and Josh Hannah. This coaching staff and this staff that he had there. Like I grew up watching these guys play for Queensland. And the first few days, I'm like, oh, I'm kicking it around with them. And then you start to click and go, you know, not here as some um, fan or something. You know, I'm, I'm I'm here because I'm supposed to be here and. That's when I started to really soak it in, and it was a it was a weird week because I come back, um, train was training with them, come back, 
played the Warriors here, got absolutely smoked, <laughs> went back into camp. Um, so it was all a bit of a weird week, but um, yeah, just made me hungrier. Talking about your halves at Parramatta, uh, you've obviously got Mitch Moses, still Brown. Um, as far as like a seven and six combo, it doesn't get much better in rugby league. What's it like playing with those guys? Yeah, um, it's unreal when you got when you got blokes like that that you know can break the game open for you and um, even touching a bit like when playing with Nathan. Like I think the nine games I played at Penrith, played four with him and five without him. I think won the four with him, lost the five without him. And it's a bit the same here, and you can tell how much different we were when we lost Dylan for them seven weeks yeah. last year, and that's what I was talking about, just disruption in your team and not being able to put the best team out there. And I guess having different players in the team who were bringing me in. We had Hodjo at the start of the year, and we were all trying to find each other's groove, and then we start losing each other again. Um, never helps, but um, pretty wrapped with like how they've trained this pre-season. They've both been... Um, very good, and Dylan looks unreal, and I think uh, he wants to pay repay us as players and the fans and the club um, for sticking by him. What's happened, and uh, mate, he looks good. So I'm oh, thanks for to that see. too. <laughs> so put him in, put him in your good. super coach or something like that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Don't worry, um, mate. Mitch Moses, uh, he's getting to that age now where you tend to see halves play their absolute best footy. I saw a quote from Mitch the other day saying simply. We're in the premierships business. We're here to win comps. Feels like a bit of an attitude shift to me mm. from Mitch Moses. Has that rippled through the squad? Yeah, I think so. Um, like if you look at our team, and we've got um, some of the older heads in our team. You don't know. You know they're probably looking at, at themselves, going, "You know, how many years have I got left of doing this?" Um, and that becomes a point in your career. If you haven't won a grand final, and you go, "I've got two or three years left," then it's time to stop um, mucking around and and getting to it and um, like I've said before, if you're not trying to win a comp, then what are you doing? Like, and it's, it was easy for me at the start because like you just want to play first grade, then you just play first grade, then you want to do it every week, then you do it every week, and now it's like you want to fucking do something about it. And yeah. everyone wants to win. Um, and you look at our team, and if, when we put our best team on paper out there, um, we can match it with everyone. And we've shown what we can do. We did twice against Penrith last year. Like we we beat them um, both times during the year. And we just got to put ourselves in a position to have a good run, and um, I know if we if we play our best brand of footy, we can beat anyone. I think it's a really underrated factor from your 2023 season that you know, similar to this year, Brad Arthur said he wants an 80-minute hooker. You came into last year with Josh Hodgson, one of the most experienced guys in the game, also a very ball-dominant hooker that you could tell you were all trying to gel together. Losing him had a massive impact on your side last year. Yeah, it did. Um, that was just another one, another another situation that happened. And I think we all learnt a lot from Hodjo, um, not so much with stuff on the field, but his leadership off the field. And I think that's had an impact on our leaders. And um, I know Trent Barrett's done some work with our leadership group um, at Para um, with Moses and Gutho and Junior and Reg. And um, I, you can definitely see a mindset shift and I think a shift throughout the whole club um, I remember I was we we've had a few camps away. Um, we've had we had a little sand dune stuff and went away to the central coast for a night um, and and sat in rooms and um, talked about you know like, like what we want to do this year and um, 
what do we stand for and like what does an eel look like and, and these sort of things. And this is what I witnessed at um, Penrith do all these years ago before they even won comps. And that's when I, um, I realised that the whole mindset has shifted and um, those are the things you've got to do to put yourself in the picture to win. What is an eel? Uh, I can't give away too much. <laughs> Great if you gave away something. <laughs> Oh, it's just like, it's just, it's simple things like, um, what does an eel look like when, when you're on the field, when you're off the field, are you nice, um, um, is your effort, like, you know, it's all these just little, it's just little details in your everyday life and um, the biggest thing was it's not what, what an eel looks like on the field because we all want to win and we all play hard and we all do whatever we can but what do we do away from footy, um, how can we be better with our bodies and be more resilient or if we're if we're not going out and doing things or staying off the piss or whatever it is, you know, these are all little things that um, when it all comes together and we're all doing these things uh, right, then that's when you get the accolades. Round one, only a few weeks away now. I believe you've got the Canterbury Bulldogs. Round yeah. one, obviously arch rivals for the last 40, 50 years. What do those rivalry games mean to you? Yeah, it's sort of hard because I have haven't really experienced them fully. Um, I actually do remember last year there was a they had a TikTok going around and it was all the Bulldogs players who they want to beat by 50 the most and they all said Parramatta and that's when it clicked to me I was like why are they all saying Parramatta? <laughs> um, but yeah, those um, any game that we play here and especially against um, well against the Bulldogs we played them here last year um, they're big games and that's what you want in round one like we had Melbourne here last year and. Um, it was a nice, tough, hard game, so hopefully we're not in for an 84 minutes again. But, um, yeah, looking forward to get out there. Like um, we, we really appreciate um, this home ground that we have, and I think when we pack this joint out and we're making some noise, it's, we're a hard team to beat. Um, so that's what we're going to need round one, and um, hopefully we can get the stadium packed out, and hopefully this area is packed out with all yous, and uh, sure, we're humming. <laughs> Mate, when I have a look at your season coming up, a few games I circle, obviously Battle of the West, huge one. I think you're Penrith round two over there. Mm. Round 23, though, you're back at Combank here, Battle of the West. Talk to me about that rivalry. You must know a thing or two about that one. <laughs> yeah, well, um, witnessed it as a reserve grader when they played here, and I think it was a packed house, and I actually played in reserve grade. Then I went and sat right up. The top of that corner with my mum yeah. and my family and watched the game. And the game, Nathan Cleary, um, Nathan did a spear tackle, I think, and got sent off for the game. And Para won. Yeah. And this place was just erupting. Um, so hopefully we can get him, someone sent off again. We're going to get the place erupting. <laughs> uh, but no, and, um, and yeah, I suppose when I was already there, I sort of knew a bit about the rivalry that we had and... Um, I, I loved it because when I was going out there, I was just talking rubbish to them just because I knew them all yeah. and it was just good because we were beating them both times I played them. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's no better team you want to beat and that's, that's what happens when, that's what it is when you're versing the Premiers and um, when, the best, when you're versing the best teams, that's when you've got to be at your best and we always seem to do it. Um, I think we've just got to put, do that every week against everyone we verse and uh, we'll be right. I don't know about anyone else, but that Nathan Cleary spear, spear tackle feels like it was yesterday to me. And he was sitting in the crowd watching with his mother. <laughs> That's unbelievable how far you've come in a short yeah. amount of time. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's, it's good to reflect on and look back, and um, but then you got to keep looking forward. Sure. Mate, I know that you like to have a good time. If you had to pick one player from the Parramatta Eels current side to go out on a night out, who would it be? Probably Moses. He's got the most cash, so... <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you need a loan, you can just get some of him. <laughs> Who's the wet blanket you're not taking out with you? Uh, oh, I don't know. Everyone's pretty good. Maybe, maybe Cardi, because he's taken it out of your pocket after Mitch gives it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, mate, if you had to give me three goals heading into 2024, what would they be? Um, well, like I said before, obviously having another good year, consistent year for Para, and then um, I don't know if I can do that, then obviously you want to play for Queensland and you want to win a comp. So um, if we can get the first one right, hopefully the other two just come along with it. All premierships are special, but if you were to win one with Parramatta and end this drought, it would be unbelievable. Yeah, and I guess um, we always hear about it. I'm the sure drought, you do. And, yeah. um, it's just extra motivation for us. And um, like we said, that you know the prem- uh, the premierships aren't won in the preseason, but a lot of the hard work does happen there, and um, a lot of things that you're trying to get out of the year happen in long, good preseasons and. Um, I was just talking before, like we had a couple of the boys in rehab, but other than that, we've had a full squad together a lot of this preseason. Gutho's back now from a little knee surgery and Junior's come back in the last couple of weeks into full training and it's pretty much everyone on the field and all hands are on deck and everyone's just so keen to play just because we've been getting our um, ring L's fisted for however long. Um, we're all just keen to get out there and um, I think if we can have a better start to the year and because we were only one win away last year from the from the eight and look at the year that we had. So we've got a lot of confidence in the group, so we just got to go out there and do it. I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't ask you before you went, super coach wise what sort of minutes are we looking at? <laughs> I heard the price tag's too hefty anyway. It's bloody so hefty. We'll you want to play some minutes? <laughs> I need to play 80 for 800,000 or whatever it is I keep hearing. Um, I don't know, but... Um, you can, you can never tell. Um, like, like when I first sat down with Brad, you never promised anything. Uh, you never promised a jersey. Um, that's something that you've got to earn every week. Um, I just know whatever minutes that I do play for this team, I'll be giving it everything every time. So Beautiful, mate. I want to wish you the best of luck heading into 2024, and hopefully we see you make your debut in a Queensland loss, mate. Appreciate it. If I have it my way. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Game three after we already won the first two. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You can put it out there if anyone wants to ask a question. No worries. I was just saying that, um, yeah, I'm just really interested how a 16-year-old, and I don't want to bring up a whole lot, but I know a lot about your background, and I just really give you a lot of credit for actually going on to becoming a first-grade footballer. But how did you... What was the difference between you to be able to do that you know, what, what was that extra incentive you had? Was it people in your life or was it a, just the dream was so big? And second of all, you sort of only bypassed it in one sentence, but coming to Sydney, coming to Penrith as a 16-year-old and having to live away from home, you know, how did you hold it all together there and sort of go on through the system? Uh, yeah, a couple of good questions. Um, did have a good, uh, really close-knit family in Harvey Bay where I'm from. Um, as obvious, most of you would probably know my story and... Um, it wasn't the easiest upbringing, and, but um, 
in saying that with with Boston tragedy that we had, we always we never went without. Um, I think my hardworking nature that comes off on the field um, comes from my mum. My mum's like the hardest worker in the room. Four kids, uh, single mum of four kids at home, um, working at a salon in in the garage that my dad's mates built for him after that it all happened. Um, builds a resilience inside you and um, I think I learnt from an early age that nothing's ever given to you. Mum never bought us anything we didn't need but we never went without at the same time. Um, so I guess that upbringing that I had and always being surrounded by family and you did say there's a lot of good footballs from Harvey Bay which there was like uh, my brother had and my uncle both had opportunities in Sydney um, in their respectable times and um, it didn't pan out for either of them for different reasons but um, when I was growing up I was always never that good of a footballer so if anyone ever said that's Jermaine Tyrone his brother did it but I didn't um, it was always like oh he's not really good enough you know his brother's a freak but not really him so that was always a driving factor as well as the fact that no one ever gave me the belief to do it um, and then it was just always in the back of my head which is just a bit of a switch that I think I've got um, is just a bit of a mentality to, to prove people wrong which is I'm sure everyone likes to be like that I think you spoke about moving down here and away from home. Well, moved to Sunshine Coast, out of home at 15. Uh, started living with my uncle at the time. Um, so I guess moving to here wasn't as hard because I'd already moved out of home, in saying. Um, but I still remember the first week that I came when I moved to Sydney. I'd always been in the beaches. Harvey Bay's on the coast. Caloundra, where I was living, is on the coast. And I went out to Penrith and it was fucking... <laughs> 45 degrees and the only thing you could swim was in the Nepean River, you come out with gastro or something. Um, so it was, it was a bit of a culture shock at the start and I still remember all my mates, um, that was the year all my mates finished school and all went to schoolies together and I'm sitting in a room in Jordan Springs waiting to go to training in my first proper pre-season and get smashed and all my mates are out partying and that was the only time I've ever been homesick was when I wanted to be somewhere... Um, there partying with my mates but um, I sort of realised someone said to me during that week if, if I asked if you asked any of my 10 mates that were at schoolies if they'd rather be there if they'd rather do what I was doing they all said they, they would all say they'd rather be doing what I was doing um, which was getting an opportunity to play footy in Sydney so had to look at it from a different uh, perspective and I guess that um, helped me throughout that Uh, just to jump in, you mentioned the Queensland spirit and that experience of the change rooms. What, what are you seeing going on in the change rooms that's so different? Um, well, it's just the intensity of the game is the biggest thing. Like, obviously, um, like in the um, change rooms here, it, it is the same, but it's like you can just feel that different level of intensity. Um, and it's just like looking at everyone and how everyone just is like, in, in this state of just being ready to run out there, um, that was the biggest thing for me because I, I actually warmed up um, but then had to get back into my suit after the game and, like, I was warming up. Um, so I'm obviously the crash test dummy. If anyone wants to hit the pads and stuff, I'm the guy who holds the pads. I just remember Tino, big Tino, just absolutely... He just wanted to do his bumpers and he, like, launched me halfway across the room and I was just looking around and everyone's hitting each other, like... This is like, you could just tell it was game on when they went out there, which was the biggest thing for me. I was like, oh, I want to be a part of that and get out there and do it out there. Um, so that was the biggest thing. 
Okay, fellas, got a question for both of you. Jermaine, first thing, what's the best thing you've been able to learn here at Parramatta, whether it be with the boys, from BA, or just the community? And Rue, what have you got in store for Jermaine for Valentine's Day, mate? <laughs> <laughs> or should we not ask? What did you say, sorry? <laughs> you got distracted by the Rue's eyes again. What, what's the best thing you've been able to learn here at Parramatta oh. that you haven't learned elsewhere, or what from the boys, from BA, from the community? What's the best thing you've learned here? Yeah, um, oh, obviously you learn a lot of things and how teams play differently is the biggest one and learning how other people play and what they're good at and all those sorts of things. And I think we spoke about what I've learned from Brad about confidence and um, just backing your ability. But the one thing that shocked me the most was how much this place is connected to this club. And I come from Penrith who, any, I don't know if anyone lives out that way, but every second person walking around out there is wearing a Penrith jersey. So they are very much intertwined with their community as well. But um, just running out to this stadium, like when it's packed, like you can tell how much um, this club means to a lot of people. And that was something that I didn't know before I came. So that's something that I learned. Um, and like I said before, when this place is packed and it's humming and everyone's um, barracking and yelling Siva and whatnot, then um, I know we've got every chance to win the game just on the back of that. And my present. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd have a restraining order by now. So I'm just tell you. Anyone else? You're not going to answer that part. No, no, thank you. <laughs> I feel like the guy from Billy Madison with the lipstick is ruling out names. <laughs> hey guys, um, Jermaine, congratulations. Um, I think you've more than upstaged the guru at in his own show, which is which is really quite an achievement. Um, I think most of us in the room are sorry you're a Queenslander. Um, so I wanted to pass on our thoughts to you about that. Um, we're a little envious that you are a Queenslander. My first question is really serious. When you got dressed this morning, um, did you put your shoes on shoe, sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or did you go sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember. Um, I, I just want to apologise to all you guys for having a, uh, been in South Wales supporters and... Uh, losing all them series. Um, I am, and on game day, sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, sock, boot, boot. Excellent. Um, and I don't have many superstitions, but I do. We sort of have the sticky spray. I don't know if anyone's watched. When we're about to run out on the field, we use that sticky spray, sort of help grip the ball or whatever. I cover my whole socks in sticky spray, then put my boot on so I don't feel like my uh, foot's moving around in there. So, so you don't feel... So my foot, like my foot doesn't feel like it's like sliding around in the boot. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Some of the socks have the grippy stuff on it and some don't, so I just lather it in the Yeah, okay. In the First world spray. problems. Um, in finishing, I was just going to say, um, you're part of a famous club here, Parramatta, I think, uh, even those non-Parramatta supporters are really keen to see... Uh, see the Eels do well. You're playing in the middle. There's been some very famous Parramatta middles. Um, there's also been some famous backs. How much of the club history um, do you feel you know and do you need to do more work on that in terms of... Because they, they did have a great period. You know, Mick Cronin, uh, legend of the game, for example, Bomber Peard. Those sorts of names, do they do they resonate with you? Even though they're New South uh, Washington. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I, I don't definitely don't think I know enough. Um, but um, those you can rattle off a few names, and 
Um, I, and you do because they're great to the game and you, when you love the game, you just know. Um, I always like seeing comments if I'm ever scrolling around and someone likens me to Ray Price or something because um, he was the epitome of a hard-working um, bloke out there that you just relied on. Um, so always like um, anytime anyone says that. Um, but, yeah, I probably do need to do a little bit more and learn a little bit more about it. Um, but at the same time, we're trying to create our own history as well. I believe you showed up in a Newcastle shirt. <laughs> the disrespect. Um, Jermaine, big fan. Um, just want to know, in your years in various camps, um, who's the biggest pest you've had to deal with and why is it not Jerome Law? <laughs> As a Tigers fan, if you ever want to rejoin with him, we'd love that. Uh, Liam Martin's the biggest pest um, at Penrith by a country mile. I did my apprenticeship under him, so I'm taking on that um, role at Parra now. And Cameron Munster um, wasn't with him for very long, but also a massive pest as well. Any others for Jermaine before he hits the frog? Uh, what's the most difficult ground that you've got to play at and why? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I've been around long enough to to play it on a lot of grounds to sort of know. Like, I think when I was at Penrith, everyone spoke about how hard it was to go out there and play there. We went out there and blitzed them. Um, obviously, we played at Canberra. That was tough in the weather. Um, so probably like Canberra and New Zealand are them two places. If you get go there at the wrong time of the year um, and the weather's cold, then they can be tough grounds to play on. How do you go with Darwin? Interesting that we've got a home oh, game there. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Darwin is a hard place to play <laughs> out as well. Um, funny, like I've only played there, that one game last year, um, tough game against the Broncos. We were there for like the whole week and the whole week was pretty much pretty decent weather. And then I remember the game, we just, game day, this heat just came out of nowhere. Then the rain came and the rain stopped and it was just so humid there. So it is a tough ground, but it is our home game. So um, we need to be better there. Um, I'm not too sure who we've got this year, but hopefully it's uh, not too bad weather. Um, we can get a job done. Should try and schedule it against Canberra or something, surely. <laughs> well, well, we played the Broncos there, and the year before, I think we played the Cowboys there, so we're picking the wrong teams. <laughs> Cheers. All good? All good. I think uh, we're going to have a little spell for probably 15, 20 minutes. I think we've gone a little bit over here, James, so we'll have 15, 20 minutes. Yeah? Sweet. And then we'll uh, grab a drink, have some food, we'll regroup, and then uh, some of you can come up here and take Jermaine's spot and ask some questions. Thank you for coming in, Legend. No Appreciate worries. it, Rob. Thanks, guys. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.